Our guide to Darwin's place and time is James Moore, Professor of the History of Science at the Open University in the UK and acclaimed biographer of The Naturalist. Darwin is important because Darwin did, I think, change our entire understanding of the meaning of human life in history and nature. Darwin is important also because of who he was and the light he sheds on what it means to do science. Darwin was a respectable, middle-class gentleman, the least likely person, you would think, to articulate theories of evolution in which human beings are the natural product of natural processes. Yet he did, and he did it in the teeth of religious and scientific opposition. How he did that is important because it helps shed light on how science operates even today. The scientific establishment of Darwin's day was 99% religious. Remember, Darwin worked in a society dominated by the Church of England. It was the established church. That means one had to subscribe or to assent to certain Christian doctrines, which were held to exclude any notion that human beings could have evolved naturally or even that living species could have evolved naturally. This was the reigning scientific stroke religious consensus. More than that, Darwin was operating in a society very different from ours today, with its mass media and popular literacy. Theology was seen as a stabilizing force, so the notion that living things might have emerged from simpler forms and progressively change in response to purely natural forces was radical. Yet such ideas of so-called transmutation were percolating even when Darwin was a young medical student at Edinburgh University. The ideas of transmutation, as it was called, stemmed mainly from revolutionary France. To a certain extent, other ideas came from Germany. Darwin's own grandfather had articulated a kind of vision of evolution, which a few people understood in medical circles in Darwin's day. It wasn't part of mainstream science. There was no discipline called evolutionary natural history or anthropology. There simply was no such subject. And yet, not long after Darwin had returned from his voyage on the Beagle and began his career as a self-supporting gentleman naturalist, he became convinced that he could no longer hold the established view that species, including humans themselves, were divine acts of creation. Of course, Christians believe that all humans had descended from Adam and Eve and that all individual biological species had descended from those created in the Garden of Eden. Darwin went a step further. He connected not only all the humans presently alive and all the races to an ancient common human ancestor, but he connected humans and animals and plants and microorganisms, as we say, all historically deep into time to an ancient common ancestor or ancestors. That made Darwin's view original. Common descent. Common descent. More than that, it begged the question of how living things might actually change, how they might proliferate and diversify through time. Darwin likened it to a huge tree, and we're just one little twig out on the end of a branch of this tree of life. Darwin said it took place by 
various mechanisms. The most important one was natural selection, in which only those with an edge, some advantage, tend to survive and pass their advantage on to their offspring. The offspring have therefore changed, they've adapted to their environment, and that kind of change goes on and on and on through history, leading to the diversification of life. Natural selection, Darwin called it. And that was the principal and most controversial mechanism in his famous book On the Origin of Species, published in 1859. Why was Darwin's proposed mechanism of natural selection so potentially inflammatory? Natural selection was initially objectionable to people who understood it because they drew anti-God implications from it. It didn't seem to be a purposeful process at all. It seemed to be very chancy. If things happened to have an adaptive advantage in the environment, then they might, might be preserved. And it seemed to mean that there was no place for God to be directing this process. And Darwin himself said, if God is doing it, then I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Because if God does everything, then why have scientific theories? But in Darwin's day, it was quite illegitimate to reason about the causes of organic phenomena without recognizing that there was a purposeful God, even a designing God, standing behind and administering or controlling the causes that produce those phenomena. In today's more secular world, where some argue that science and religion are separate ways of thinking, it may be a continuing puzzle that such debates were and are still argued with such fervor. More the historian has a robust response. People who argue that science and religion are separate ways of thinking, separate ways of believing, one the realm of faith, the other of reason, that they are separate magisteria, separate power centers of authority in society and the world, don't reckon with history. In history, what was considered to be science and what was considered to be religion was always in dispute. And in Charles Darwin's day, for example, there was just religion in science or science in religion. There's actually a, a sect founded called Christian Science in the 1860s. So we have to look at reality, historical reality, and, and not just play with words and concepts in our heads. Nature is a, is a fabulous thing, and how we grasp it at one point in history does not exhaust the possibilities of understanding what this thing, nature, is. And religious people would say the same thing about God. In Darwin's day, Christians had come to accept that Christian men of science tell us about God's world, and what they tell us enables us correctly to interpret the words of Holy Scripture. Today, these things have gone their separate ways. People want to go back and say, the text predominates over the laboratory. Scientists need to listen to our magisterium rather than theirs. And that was a battle thoughtful people in recent centuries thought had concluded in the 16 or 1700s. And it's still very much with us. So much for secularization.